Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the early line. Our number two here on SportsGrid. We ain't tired yet. It's Kevin Walsh. It's Dave Martinez. I just woke up. I'm on my third cup of coffee. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it, Kevin. We're going to go around the NFL here, you know, and as we continue our uh, spotlight, our roster reset, we go into the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's going to be very interesting to see what bets are there to make money after. In our number one, we just talked about one of the reasons they won't go get Cam Newton is because they ain't trying to win games so we're going to apply that logic a little bit later on in this hour but I did want to bring up a couple of uh, topics that I heard recently here in the NFL get your take on it one you know Kev we were talking about that Rooney rule we were talking about incentivizing it right and it made us feel icky (laughs) you know yesterday it came out a little bit more that okay they're going to interview two candidates um, of color to try to mitigate that and so it's not just the token candidate making the rounds Okay, I got to tell you, Kev, it seems like there is an honest, good faith effort to try to figure this out. And I appreciate that because I've got more news for you. It seems like the next policy here also, check this out, teams will no longer able to be uh, to block a coach from interviewing. Like, you know, the position coaches, uh, your running backs coach, your linebackers coach, your secondary coach. Frequently, those are the candidates that are interviewing for offensive coordinator roles, defensive coordinator roles. You know, it's the pipeline, right? It's the career trajectory. And so frequently, if you've got a good running back coach, right, and three other teams want to interview him for an offensive coordinator position, Mm -hmm. you can block that from happening, saying, no, 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 I'm not going to let you interview him, okay? They're removing that hurdle right now. And I think that is a good idea, especially for these candidates of color. They need these opportunities. They need this practice in essence, to interview for these roles. It's like it can't teams can't hoard their young developing coaching talent. And I think this, in combination with some of the other things we've hearing, um, interviewing two uh, candidates of color and the like, it, when you put it all together, Kevin, to me, yeah, it makes me think like they're thinking about how to fix and approach this. And so... I'm cool with it. I know you love yourself some Eric Bieniemy, right? Um, and like he or candidates like him that are high-performing, you know, defensive line coaches would mm-hmm. have opportunities to interview for, say, a DC job. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, the plan to like we're going to get into the Jaguars, and I hope yeah. that Tony Khan's plan is to bring an Eric Bieniemy, draft Justin Fields, <laughs> and just be the the best. I think that look. These com- even if the results are like the fact that the conversations are being had, it's all good right. stuff. I've always found the idea of blocking a coach from an interview to be very puzzling, um, because to me, I don't know how then the work environment remains the same. Right. I understand like you sign a contract and you have to keep a level of professionalism, right. but you know if if you were like you know Kev, I'm getting I'm getting calls, man, I'm. I'm, uh, you know, the morning after that, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to go on it. I'm going to go or on an interview. Network. Right. Right. And I was like, oh, blocked. You can't go. Well, <laughs> it's just going to be weird, though, isn't it? Because yeah. you wanted to I'm see- gonna have some resentment. How could you not? How yeah. could you not? Right. Like, especially if the position 
is a very obvious upgrade, right? Right. Like, it'd be one thing. If it was if, a lateral move, it would be one yeah, thing. Like, a running backs coach to, to running, running backs, backs coach. To a different like, team, that'd yeah. be, but, like, but to move up the ladder and become an offensive coordinator, how are you going to hold this man back from right. developing their career? Yeah. Which is the next step to becoming a head coach. Yeah. Like, I, I, so I've always found that so puzzling. Um, I guess, obvi- you know, it's, it's a situation, though, where people in power say, yeah, you know, that's that way in the business. Hey, I, deal you know, with it. Right. No, I, I hear you. I, and which is just so ridiculous. So it's a good sign. But I've always it found it super weird that they would ever even kind of make that decision to block someone from what should be only a like positive bit of news. No, I agree. But again, this is part of an evolving policy. So I'm excited that they continue to think about it. Another piece of news that I heard, and let me set the stage for you. I was in a big time uh, experts or industry fantasy football league last year. It's called uh, GST, the Greenwich Street Tavern League. You may have heard of it, Kev. And by the way, your boy took it down, bro. I oh, won. yeah? Yeah. I, uh, it was a nice little $2,500 uh, Christmas present for me, let's say, to take it down. Beating my boy, our boy, Adam Ronis, oh. in the final last year. Shout out to our man, Adam Ronis. But I bring this up because, you know, you do the big old draft. We do it at the bar. And, oh, God, I long to be able to do a fantasy football draft at a bar, given our uh, times right now. But you know how they have the whole thing in the draft board and you, like, slap the stickers up? Oh, oh players yeah. or whatever. Okay, so in this industry league last year, I drafted a dude in, like, the 11th round. They didn't have a sticker for him, Kevin. And it was the first time in the draft. And so everyone gave me a little bit of uh, gruff about it. But remember, I won the league. So it yeah. turned out to be okay. The name in question, Kevin, was Preston Williams, wide receiver of the Miami Dolphins. I was on him last year because of a great preseason. They called him the unicorn because of his side-speed combo. And he started to develop and had a few really good games that I needed in the bye weeks, and he really helped me until he ultimately went down and tore his ACL. Um, And they are saying he now uh, is on track to return uh, for the Miami Dolphins. And I got to tell you, think about these Dolphins' weapons, Kevin. You're going to have Devontae Parker on one side, Preston Williams on another. What we're talking about as a relevant you know, uh, backfield combo of Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. We know about a developing tight end in Mike Gesicki. You know, I mean, the cupboard is not bare there for the Dolphins at the skill positions, including Preston Williams, a guy, a name you should know. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got two feelings here. One, I'm upset now all over again about Josh Rosen and how this is all planned out for him. It's a raw deal all the time, yeah. It's just so, got so screwed. Although, I, I did, I think he threw one touchdown. And I had the over. Here's what's going to happen. Touchdown. Here's what's going to happen. You didn't know who the backup was in Tennessee because there isn't one. He's going to wind up backing up Tannehill in Tennessee. Tannehill's going to tear his meniscus in week three. But because the Titans have a good roster, Josh Rosen is going to lead them to a 10 and 6 playoff appearance. I shed a tear. And then I'd call him a top 12 quarterback. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Exactly. But the other thing here is the Do- I've talked we've talked about this right when the Dolphins come by in passing I go I think I might be oddly high on this team mm. now I don't know like what that means I don't know if they're I don't, are they another eight and a half win total team and I didn't even realize it but like they are to me no. a team that that go got ahead. yeah they they can't be right <laughs> but they got better and I mean I remember the excitement about Preston Williams and we saw you know Devontae Parker for all his battles with Michael Thomas I'm gonna uh, get to that next uh, yeah find himself. <laughs> Um, you know, success last year. Mm-hmm. I like how they've split up that running back room. They're, 
there's talent on this football team. They spent a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Flores is going to use those pieces of clay to mold. A few former Patriots there also for the former Patriot coach. So interesting to watch. And by the way, Kevin, come on. We've been doing this show now long enough. You know I'm bringing up a Preston Williams small topic to yeah. talk exactly about what you just mentioned. I don't know if you saw on social media, there is back and forth beef. It's on my timeline. You mentioned this in kind of a uh, mundane kind of way, right? You know, it started out there. Um, the way it started kind of on Instagram is someone put up, what is tougher to do in the NFL, right? Make a catch when guarded by Stefan Gilmore of the Patriots or to defend the pass when covering Michael Thomas. Just kind of one of those little uh, posts that's put out there right now, getting people talking. Well, yeah. Devontae Parker, wide receiver, of the Miami Dolphins, who, by the way, was putting up numbers in the back half of the year last year. I was telling people literally on Pro Football Today, like six weeks in a row, people were asking, what's my number one prop bet? And I was like, Devontae Parker over. <laughs> and it hit for like a month in a row to the point where Ariel Epstein was like, we know, Dane, you hit again on Devontae Parker. <laughs> but he goes and says, option A is tougher. Uh, catch guarded by Stefan Gilmore, which, A, by the way, he has done before, so he's, you know, uh, informed perspective on it. Mm -hmm. Michael Thomas took offense to this, and boy, did he ever. It's on my timeline. You'll see it on the screen right now. They started going back and forth. We've got wide receiver drama, Devontae Parker and Michael Thomas. Uh, Kevin, you're the millennial here between us. What say you about this beef? I, I love this beef because, see, it all depends how your timeline is situated. Sure. But Michael Thomas lost in the grand scheme of this whole thing, oh, uh, yeah. according to my timeline. Like Nas versus Jay-Z, Cannabis versus you know, DMX, and, and stuff like that from back in the day. This yeah. was like a battle. Oh, I love I love I actually still watch rap battles. See, there's the difference, right? There's the guys who win, on, win in the room, and then there's the dudes who win on camera. And Michael sure. Thomas might have won in the room, but on camera – he took an L. Because everyone's like, will you shut up, you clown? He's just giving his perspective. And then and what happens is throwing shade to you. He just right. answered the damn question. Right. And, and then, sounds like Michael Thomas is, is, is a little, is a little uh, emo here, catching feelings. He's always, though, on Twitter just, like, talking about, like, him being the best and this, that, and the third. And people are like, right, we get it, man. You caught 11 slants from Drew Brees. We don't care. Like, I like... <laughs> It's really right. funny to the me. Most accurate quarterback of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so the best was though, but I like. I always love if I am not invested in the player, like because like when people do it with like Wentz or LeBron, I'm like I hate everyone. But if I'm not invested, it's funny to me because someone was like, if you take, <laughs> so funny, so stupid. Someone was like, if you take away Michael Thomas's yards, touchdowns, and receptions on slants, ins, outs, and bubbles, he only had like. 30 catches oh. for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Like, oh, right, right, right. And, and, and if Eric Dickerson, the year he ran for 2,000 yards, you don't count his yards after contact, or whatever the case may be, right? So Not when he had a guard pulling for him. Bull. No, I, I'm, I'm completely so with funny, man. Like, I love when it goes to that extreme for no reason. Like, imagine, like, sitting there doing that research. I'm like, I'm about to own Michael Thomas, dude. Hey, if I remove 84% of the route tree, you aren't even that good. 
it sounds like a job for PFF, you know what I mean? <laughs> to, to break it down. And and only and if you look at it when he was only being covered by Patrick Peterson and Darrell yeah. Revis, he didn't look that good, you know, that sort of thing. I, I played do, on you know, Madden, and, my, and I didn't see a good performance from Michael Thomas. So let me ask you this. What wide receiver is most likely to throw their own hat in the ring and engage in this back and forth? You know, which diva, why, is it Odell? Do you, you know, are you going to see Ant uh, Antonio Brown just all of a sudden come out of nowhere? Like, it yeah. seemed, you said that you think Michael Thomas kind of is like this yeah. a little bit. I thought he was something more of a little bit quieter. I thought he went about his business, did his thing. His handles can't guard Mike. That's okay. true. And let's not forget, we also know who his uncle is, right? And his uncle is someone who did not uh, uh, shy away from talking. Do you know who his uncle is? No, I actually don't. Oh, Keyshawn Johnson is oh, his no. And was talking to him about him, uh, you know, kind of, and the idea of re-signing this contract. You know, so maybe he gets it from there. One thing's for certain, there are no uh, Jacksonville Jaguars wide receivers at the level of Devontae Parker oh, or no. Michael Thomas. Right and we, no, I disagree, DJ Chark, do, 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 do. We <laughs> dig into the Jacksonville Jaguars when we come back. You might think, Why? Because there's ways to make money off their 2020 season. Dane and Kevin will tell you how. Come on right back. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day. Here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. All right, everybody, welcome back into the early line on SportsGrid. I'm Dane, he's Kevin, and yeah, we're looking to make money off the Jacksonville Jaguars here in hour number two. There are plenty of ways to skin the cat, but let's reset the roster first here, Kevin. Okay, because they've had an offseason. Listen, they move away Calais Campbell, right? And that's a big hole in this defense. They go and move away your boy, Nick Foles, right? And bring in Mike Glennon to be the backup, basically signaling that, yes, we are giving the keys to the car to Gardner Minshew. I think it signals that they're tanking for Trevor, but that's another topic for another day. And then I got to tell you the truth, Kev. I like what this team did in the draft. I really do. Um, remember, they had two first-round picks, C.J. Henderson, who we think is a corner that can almost kind of replace what they had in Jalen Ramsey, although they may be sacrilege for now, but a lot of people think he can be a good press man corner out there. And then there was Chase on, right, from LSU, who we thought was a good edge rusher. Now to put on the other side, remember, with Josh Allen, who they drafted last year in the number seven overall pick, so they've got a pass rush. And then you got Chenault who they got in the second round, right? This kind of Swiss Army life. We're talking about the kinds of wide receivers. This is a yards after the catch guy, a guy who could be potentially in special teams as well when you already have the outside wide receivers that we know with Baby Shark and the like. What do you think about their offseason, Kev? I thought it was really, really good. I thought the draft was really nice. My only yeah. complaints with the C.J. Henderson pick uh, would be maybe they could have found a way to trade back and still land him. I just wonder if they would have been able to pin the tackle needy teams against one another to force a trade uh, in some way. But look, it's fine. And ultimately, corner is such a valuable position. C.J. Henderson established himself as cornerback two in this draft. Yeah. I like that move. Calevon Chase on at 20. I thought that I thought that he fell a little bit further uh, than he should have. I thought he should have been, oh, you know, not too far back, 
but they still capitalized by having uh, that second pick that they got from the Rams in return for Jalen Ramsey. And then I think Lubishka Chenault is one of the, the picks that really connected with me post-draft where, you know, we're doing, like I said, I did the draft crash for the AFC South yeah. uh, here at the network. So, you're, you know, you're going through it again, like the second time you kind of go through it and, you realize that there were some people who were wildly high on LaVisca Chenault. Yeah. Like, top 20 talent in yeah. the class. Had him, like, players. after, say, the top four, right? We knew the big three, Justin Jefferson. There were people that had him as high as five in the wide receiver group. I, I saw people that had him as, like, the 18th overall player in this draft. There you go. Like, behind CD and Jerry. Right. Like, that type of talent. And people might try to reject that on its face. No way. What? He wouldn't have gone as late. It's the injuries that kept him back. For, right. for people that followed college football, LaVisca Chenault had Heisman talk around him. He was that type of talent while he was playing college football. One of the more ex- like guys that I'm excited to watch next season, especially for landing spot, there's no reason that he actually can't be a focal point to a degree for That's this right. offense as a rookie. Yeah, and so maybe maybe you're giving a little bit of an inkling early to who your diamond in the rough <laughs> for the Jacksonville Jaguars may be. So, okay, let's take a look at their numbers, though, Kev. All right, they have one of the lowest win totals in the NFL, okay? It is on the number at five right now from our friends on FanDuel. On the number at five, Kevin, and the under is minus 145. Okay, so heavy juice to under five wins. And remember, it's not on the half. It's on the number. Okay. And then for them to not make the playoffs, which is, I think, you know, what out the gate our knee-jerk reaction is going to be, it's minus 1,200 to lay that. Okay. And then so I'm not even going to talk necessarily about the division, the conference, because we don't think that's necessarily in play. We may look at some other corollary bets with them moving forward, especially about if they are, in fact, hashtag tanking for Trevor. But what is your initial reaction to the idea of five as their win total? Because for me, Kevin, we talked about this with like Baltimore, Kansas City at like 11 and a half. And we said, hey, I think they're going to go over that but I don't really want to bet totals that are that high. Mm-hmm. The inverse for me holds true, Kevin, right? I think the Jaguars will win fewer than five games, but there's like very little margin for error. You know what I mean? People thought the Dolphins were going to go 0-16 last year. They wound up winning a handful of games. They went you know? over. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So that is my cautionary tale on this exact situation for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Last year, people thought the Dolphins wanted to go 0-16. They went over. We're joking about the Jaguars now, but I'm still a little bit concerned to actually put my money on the under, even though it's minus 145. I I think you're right to be a little concerned because there are pieces of this team that can inspire a level of confidence. For example, Caleb on Chason isn't going to be the lead. I'd rush on this team. It's Josh Allen. Right. Incredible in you know, be Saxonville back again. They're they're trying to find their way back towards that. Gardner Minshew had look, Gardner, we've talked about this before. Gardner Minshew did not take the league by storms because he had a mustache. He genuinely was like right. winning games right. and, and getting it done. And I just talked about LaVisca Chenault, and he's not going to be wide receiver one. Uh, Shark last year, they had this wild connection, him and Minshew, yeah. that <laughs> can only really grow. Where the Jags find themselves in this position is one, it's the state of the franchise. Doug Marone feels like a right. duck waiting. Uh, so yes. does 
Um, yeah. Gardner Minshew. Yep. That same. Just keeping group. the seat warm. You know, they had that union stuff with Tom Coughlin last year exactly. also. It just feels like they're yeah. on the precipice of turning the page. You know, they play games in, in England, but they're not going to be able to do that this year. Yeah. It just seems like they're in purgatory, and we know they're, you know, trust the process. It feels like the process is happening, Kev. Right, and as much as I said I enjoy their offseason, draft specifically, mm-hmm. they lost A.J. Bowie. Yeah. They lost Calais Campbell. This yeah. is now a full season without Jalen Ramsey. Fournette, you and I have talked about, could he find himself a new place mid-season, I, which I right. think is plausible. A lot of the roster's best has moved on, and now the pieces you're excited about, I mean, listen, listen look through every single player I've named. How many guys have three years of service under their belt? Yes. Like, it's a lot of young. Yes, Burnett, maybe that's it. Right. I, I, so that is kind of the biggest thing to me with this team. They're relying on a y- lot of young guys that are not really going to be able to pull this team together in the same way. And now over f- five and a half, five sounds great, but they're favored to have the worst record in the league. Right. You can't win. You're not going to win five games on the worst record in the league. I don't remember exactly what the Bengals' record was last year. Two and 14. Right. Like, that's not going to get it done. But also, them winning six games sounds so far-fetched. It does. But again, like, do you really want to lay minus 140 on a team to win, like, four, three games? No, I think that's it's 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 interesting. So maybe there's another way to skin this cat, right? And we're talking about it. Maybe it's not the win total. Maybe it's not the playoffs. There's there's team record specials at FanDuel as well. So the team with the worst record. The Jaguars are favored right now to have the worst record in the NFL at yeah. plus 250. Would you consider that? There's the idea also of 0-16. Will any team go 0-16 this year? You could get that at plus 2,000. Right. I don't know if I'd play that. And then you could get specifically, will the Jaguars go 0 and 16 this season? Mm. That's at plus 3000. I'm not going to bet that, though. I'm not no. going to bet it. We can They're... talk about how bad they are. They're going to win a game, though, Kev. They are. I'm not going to bet them to go 0 and 16. OK, but them for the worst record. The okay. re- so they are they are the rightful favorites because they are the team who we both agree. Yeah. Most obviously isn't would like to lose games this year. Yeah. The difference for Washington, who comes behind them, is this right. is Ron Rivera's year one. They yep. hope that Dwayne same in Carolina something. with another choice. You know, same right. in Cincinnati. They got their quarterback now finally. Exactly. Miami further along in the tank. I agree with you. Jacksonville is that squad. I would just do it uh, worst record instead of the actual O and sixteen, right? Yeah, I think that, and I think getting that at plus two fifty because think of it in a way, right? So you, if you're going to play the under minus one forty, you think they are going to win somewhere between four That's, and yeah. two games, right? right. That is the, a range of the worst team in the league. And you, you turn minus 140 into plus 250. Yeah. I don't see why you wouldn't. All right, fair enough. So you know what happens next here, Kev. Yeah. We're, we're talking about what we think is going to happen, where we think is the value. 
Let's dive on in, okay? I have the Jacksonville Jaguars schedule. All right, and we're going to get into it now, and I'll tell you, you know, where the buy is and all that good stuff. Um, home and away, um, the Jaguars are a team, just so you know, the Jaguars only have one primetime game, okay, uh, and it is at home, all right? It is okay. at home, and it's against the Miami Dolphins, so maybe that's a win for you. We'll start to play this out. We'll pick it up on the other side of the break. They open the season at home, but against your favorite in the division, the Colts. Yeah, that's the Jaguars feel like a team that you might be able to make money on with spreads. But and, and this is a scenario <laughs> like a here in week one. I think they're getting 10 points right now from the line that's available. We yeah. did this. It was more than a touchdown. And I think I even had the Colts as my knockout play, even though they were on the road in the division. So I'm right. assuming you have as a loss. Yeah, I do. I, I definitely I definitely think that that's the loss. All right, week two, they go to Tennessee. Wow. Um, yeah, it's another loss. We'll make this more difficult than it needs to be, Kevin. Come no, on, no, that's no, a loss. It's just, so yeah. Week three, this is their primetime game, Thursday night football at home against the lowly Miami Dolphins. I don't know if it's going to be Fitz. I don't know if it's going to be a very young Tua in the saddle here. Mm-hmm. Could this be an option? It could be. So this is another spot here where I try to look through like Thursday night schedules a bit. And I do believe that they are dogs in this game. I, if I remember correctly, it's oh, a one point spread in either direction. But imagine being a home dog to the Miami Dolphins right. and what that says kind of about where you are. It says that you're the favorite to have the worst record in the NFL. That's what it says. And, and forgive me for, for, for drawing this out, but it is because this is one of the more difficult games to kind of pin down. For you, yeah, Fitzpatrick or Tua starting this game, and how much does it change the outcome? It's a good question. It's week three. Um, for me, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback of the Dolphins in this game. And that makes you more likely or less likely to play on the Dolphins? More likely to play on the Dolphins in this game, because in this spot, I think, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick will bring professional quarterback play. We already talked about um, – the weapons and skill positions that the Dolphins do have. We just talked about how the Dolphins are better. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's early in the season, I think it may be Fitzmatrick. Um, I think the Jags lose this game at home on Thursday night. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I've mentioned, I, I think this could be a scenario. We talk about, um, you know, lines could be moving as we, if we yeah. revisit them. Like, I think that the Dolphins could find themselves being significantly higher favorites. Let's put it this way. If the Dolphins are one and one going, if the Dolphins have won a game, yeah. Going into this, they're going to be favored. So here we go, Kev. They are 0-3 right now. We have to still see if we can find a win on the Jacksonville Jaguars schedule. We have not done it yet. They're 0-3. We've got 13 more opportunities to get a W for your boy Tony Khan and the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> we'll see if we can do that when we come back on the other side of the break. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. 
All right, everybody, welcome back here to the early line. And we are doing what seems like the impossible, finding wins on the Jacksonville Jaguars 2020 schedule. We haven't done it yet, Kevin. We're 0-3 after the first three weeks after dropping a home Thursday night game to what I think will be Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins. Then they go on the road. They go to Cincy to see Joe Burrow. Might this be an opportunity, Kev? It has to be with the extra extra bit of rest there. This would be off the mini buy. Seeing the rookie, gotta who give was the worst the team buy. in the NFL last year. Gotta give him the mini buy. Gotta give him the mini buy. There win. it is. Week four against the Bengals is their first win of the season. I don't disagree with you. I'd want to see what did the Bengals do in week three? Uh, Are they staying at home? That sort of thing. Let me find this right now. I think the Bengals week two or Thursday night football against the week Chargers. Week two. But this yeah. would be what they did in week three. Right, right. I'm saying so week three, if they take advantage of the mini buy, the Bengals could be coming off a whole win. No, they're not. They're going to be coming off of a game at Philly. Um, so they're going to get banged up, but they'll return home. The Jags will be waiting for them. It's and so we think up. the Jags get it done. Let's keep it moving. Week five, the Jags go back on the road, and they see Deshaun Watson. They go to Houston. Tough spot. No. All right. So you have them one and four. Then they're home. Could this be one? They go home for the Detroit Lions to come to town. Wow, how about that? Um, I'm going to, for right now, go with the Lions because I feel more comfortable. All right, you have them now one and five. You have the Jags still winless at home. Remember, their only win was on the road at Cincinnati. One and five. Then, by the way, then is their bye. Okay. Okay. So they have a bye, and then off their bye, they travel to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. And it always hurts when you have to travel off the bye. Right. Because if you're home, it's almost like a guaranteed victory. Right. Man, they're, not. I, they're on the road. This is a loss. Come on, Kev. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That's right. Then they come back home and see the Texans. I'll give them that one. Hey, there it is. Their first road win. Uh, I mean, home win of the season in week nine of the season in November. We may, you know, we'll know who the future president of this country is before the Jaguars win a game at home in this season. But you have them two and six. Uh, then they go to Green Bay. No. No. Absolutely okay. Not. Then they're home and the Steelers come to town. No. You know what's funny, though? That Ooh. is the game that the Steelers lose. I will not do it right now during this exercise. You're right. That's when they defecate the mattress, though. So, right. Game. Like, you know that. Yeah. Jack Remember when Jacksonville picked them off five times in a row? Maybe yeah. actually be focused. That's true. But I'm going to give them a loss here to have them go two and eight. Then they are home. Oh, back-to-back home games. Uh, Baker comes to town. No, I got I got to give the Browns some respect. Yeah, I like the Browns there too. You have them now as two and nine when they get back on the road and go to Minnesota. Terrible spot. Terrible spot. They go to two and ten. Now we get into December. Their stretch run. They're home for Tennessee. No. Nope. Uh, if you don't think they get that one, I don't think you'll have them getting this one in Baltimore. Not at all. No. Home for your boy Nick Foles. Coming back, revenge for Nick Foles going into Jacksonville. Ooh, the Nick Foles Week woke up for 400 16. yards this game. But All right, so that's a loss, right? Yeah. All right, yeah. you have them going 2-13, and 13, their last game of the season in Indianapolis. Yeah, we'll have them losing that as well. So now, you have them going 2-14. and 14. Okay. Okay, to me, 
That's the underplay. Mm-hmm. Did you see how many, Kev, did you see that you were kind of hemming and hawing on? Because if you have them two and 14, and there's really only like one or two others that you even were considering, yeah. then even at an aggressive or like favorable lean, you only get them to four. Yeah, so I actually, though, feel like there's a number of spots oh, okay. where okay. they have some intrigue. So if, if, I, if memory serves correct, hosting the Dolphins, yep. they absolutely can get done. That was one, yep. The Bengals, we did give them that, but that's a mini-buy. That's very big. Hosting the Lions is big. I always give a team a chance off of a bye week. I know they're traveling to the West Coast, playing the Chargers, but right. you always give a team a shot there. The perfect letdown spot against a team like the Steelers. The Bears are traveling. Like I'm not positive that that works out for the Bears either. Right. And, if, and if they're able to just steal a, a division one game, one or two division games, it's a risky proposition, I still think, to be laying minus 140. Then again, I had him going, you know, kind of 2-14 and 14 in this exercise. I guess it, it's one of the most difficult things with this, right, with this Jaguars team specifically, Dane, yeah. is does there come a point where they fire Doug Marone midseason? Is there a point where they pin the, where they go, okay, Mike Glennon, give it the old heave-ho? Like, right. how are the Jaguars meant to respond to lose starting one and five you know what i mean like if i'm not mistaken right in their first five games right the yeah. first two weeks i think were tough games but then it's dolphins mini they open bangles. up right you got that dolphins Bengals in there three and four yeah and, and then is it after the Bengals home versus the texans or no uh it's in houston oh it's in houston but those are three games that can be winnable and then even home for Detroit in the first, you know, the first six, right? Like you got, here's what yeah. happens. First six, they play each of their division rivals once, right? They play the Colts, the Titans, and the Texans. Their other three games are Miami, Cincy, yeah. and Detroit. Literally, their competition for the worst record in the NFL, right? I, yeah. Literally, three mm-hmm. of those teams are the other, like, top six choices, let's say, in that market. And they get the pleasure of hosting two of them, and then it's a mini-buy for the road game. Like, there's a very real world where they are halfway home through six weeks yeah. to the over five. Yeah, With that's three true. and three. The that's thing true. is, if they're the one and five, if they're one and five in that stretch, they are the worst team in the league. So it's crazy. What you're telling me is that weeks three and four, games of, you know, the Jaguars versus the Dolphins and the Bengals yeah. could be huge games for people that have a little bit of action at the bottom end of the NFL. They're, they're so big, right? And the thing is, right, if the Dolphins or the Bengals land the worst record, they're trading back with the Jaguars. Like, it's almost like a draft capital type of... Oh, uh, yeah, the Jaguars need played. to be number one. They need to be in the top three because some of these other teams, right, they're not in the quarterback draft market. Miami already got their guy. Cincy just got their guy. Uh, Carolina just, you know, signed the guy. Uh, the Washington football team, maybe if they go 1-15, and they're going to cut bait with Haskins sure. and they would be in the Justin Fields market. I could give you that. But a lot of these teams that they may be competing against, like... The Jaguars can wind up with the number two pick. 
in the draft and feel like they can sit pretty and still get their choice of quarterback. Absolutely. But I do think it is very, very interesting that they get stacked up some of these other, you know, teams with low expectations. One of these teams is going to win some of that round robin games and they're going to look like they're 500 after a month of the season. I think this is kind of the scenario that I I was talking a little bit about yesterday where it's like, would you rather play your tougher games at home for the Jaguars? If you wanted to be successful, the answer is no. Because they're not beating Minnesota or Green Bay, whether it's played in Jacksonville or in those right. places. But you got to look at like the third team in the division if they're right. home or away for they that. They get to host. At home, you get a chance there. They're hosting the Lions and the Bears. Those are winnable games. So, right. Because Packers and Vikings, you don't think it could be played on the moon. You don't think it's going to happen. With these guys, the value change may be enough to get the Jaguars the win in front of their fans. Oh, but then again, there won't be any fans in the stands, Kev. Right. I'm trying to just pull something up about like where Jacksonville lands in terms of strength of schedule based on win totals. 20th year, uh, as of May 7th, basically on the graph that I'm using. And I got to think some of that is expectations within the division, right? Cults to be better. It's the other divisions they play. Okay, they avoid the AFC West, which is the tougher division, right? And they play the entire AFC North, I believe. In the NFC, it looks like they play the entire NFC North. They avoid the NFC West. A lot of the strength of schedule really comes down to the divisional rotation you play and if they're a good division or not, and the division you're in because six of the games are there. And as we've talked about the AFC South, you know, there's like eight as the win total for all these teams, yeah. you know, so that's a big function of the strength of schedule, Casper. And, and let me ask you this, right, with – so I actually played the Jaguars to win, to win their division last year. Um, I just – expectations for Foles and the defense. He got injured immediately. The whole thing was a disaster. The only thing that I felt good about was I made the bet before Luck retired. So I felt <laughs> like I, I, I beat them in that regard, but it ultimately didn't matter. But I also, when I made that bet, I was like, oh, you never know. Like, if they get off the hot start, you can always hedge. I'm trying to think about a hedge spot with the total here. If they're three and three through six, right? Yeah. Do they post you a live win total? Do you just have to let it ride? Are you betting against them? No, you cash out. out? You cash out. (laughs) That's what I do. Some of the bets you have that you can cash out. I would do that right away. Or then, yeah, maybe I'm hedging off of that. You know, like you said, their win total is five and they're three and three, right? What I'm doing is um, I'm betting against them. They're not going to lose 10 in a row, I don't think. Like, I mean, then again, who knows? We'll probably go check the tape. I had them probably losing 10 in a row in this exercise. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's no, just true. if they're able to pull off three and three, there's enough momentum there to where all of a sudden they're going to be like, hey, maybe. Maybe we got maybe. Minshew mania. Because Break out the mustaches the, again for Halloween. Maybe Gardner Minshew is a franchise quarterback. I don't necessarily right and right now. If you had to say yes or no, I'd lean towards no. But some of that also, Dane, is tied to draft pedigree, right? Like there's yeah, always the idea. It's the same thing we're saying about Jared Stidham, right? We just had this conversation. It's our view of Jared Stidham versus our view of Drew Locke, right? Yeah. And so you even have worse for Gardner Minshew. The only thing saving Gardner Minshew was his Linsanity type run in October of last year. Like if if. Dwayne Haskins performed in the way that we saw Jared Stidham perform in limited action, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Right. And if Dwayne Haskins did what Gardner Minshew did, we would be saying that the Redskins have a franchise quarterback and are ready to start moving. Correct. So So, but because Gardner did it, we're like, eh, I don't know. And like so that six round pedigree. It's just such a it's such a the Jaguars to me are a tougher team 
to pin down when I go through the schedule and I go through the roster. The only reason why I feel like I could still talk myself into betting this team for the worst record in the league is simply because I do believe they want to lose based on the Mike Lennon signing. The Mike Lennon signing is what tipped the scale for me. And that's the biggest tea leaf for me, too. Because they had Andy Dalton as an option with familiarity of the coaching staff. Could have been easy. We know about the Cam Newton idea. We've talked about that in this episode. Absolutely. The idea that they went Glennon signifies to me that they are just playing this out and they are, in fact, hashtag tanking for Trevor or call it Trey Lance or call it Justin Fields, whatever the case may be. So we got to think a little bit more about their players, Kevin, when we come back on the other side of the break for fantasy purposes, who's our diamond in the rough and who's a fugazi. The one point I'll leave you with, garbage time points count two in fantasy. There were times where Blake Bortles was the top 10 fantasy quarterback for this team. One minute title. Let's think about it. We get diamonds and fugazis for the Jaguars when we come back. It's the early line right here on Sports Grid. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back into the early line on Sports Grid. We are giving you the edge on the Jacksonville Jaguars. We've been talking, Kevin, like maybe you could bet them for worst record in the league. You have them going 2-14. and 14. Their win total is 5 on the number. But, you know, it's when numbers are that low, anyone can hop over it with just a little bit of a hot streak. You know, Fitzmagic did that for the Dolphins last year. Could Minshew Mania do the same thing? So we're a little bit hesitant on that. We're thinking plus 250 for the worst record in the NFL is viable because we do think you could trust the process in Jacksonville. We're going to turn our attention to fantasy, right? A little diamonds and fugazis. But before we do, Kev, you know, there have been years where the Jacksonville Jaguars defense Mm. is a viable fantasy asset. Right. You think about, you know, when they were known as Saxonville, the no fly zone. Right. Or uh, here on this network, our best friends forever, Frank Stanfill and Mike Florio used to call them cat scratch fever um, because you couldn't (laughs) throw against those cats uh, when they had Ramsey, Bouye and the like. Now, I don't know if they're going to be that level again. Um, I kind of don't. I wouldn't necessarily take them because, you know, things like Minshew could put them in bad spots, what have you. They did lose a lot of talent. But you intrigued me about, you know, the top of their draft and how I like C.J. Henderson, you know, how I like what they did in a lot of spots with Chase on and whatnot. But it's intriguing because then I looked at, oh, maybe the defensive rookie of the year idea. Could one of these guys emerge? Remember, Josh Allen emerged and was a kind of a contender for this award last year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I looked at it. And I was a little surprised, you know, uh, Henderson, Chase on were really far down. Henderson at 26 to one, uh, Chase on at 31 to one. Now, I understand that there's a big time favorite here and Chase Young. That mm-hmm. makes sense. And, you know, the names Isaiah Simmons, Patrick Queen, even Akuda, other guys we've been profiling. But it was a little surprising that uh, the Jags were so far down. Yeah, I have to think that Caleb on Chase on is one of the best value plays 
on the board. I feel like this is an award that can favor edge rushers because yeah. it's a position where you can get a lot of production out of. Glory stats, Corners yeah. Are, are at their best when they're not being thrown at. Yeah. And unless Okuda is able to come away with a bunch of interceptions, it could be difficult for him to win this award. Linebackers can can get the job done, couple splash plays, you know, have good tackle production. But there's a reason why Chase Young is your favorite. Caleb on Chase on was the second edge taken oh. in this draft class and will be playing across Josh Allen and where he's different. So Chase Young is likely to take the attention away to actually free things up for Montez Sweat in Washington, not the other way around where Josh Allen will be pulling eyes off of Caleb on Chase on giving him more opportunities. And if Chase on is able to go out there and lead this rookie class in sacks, which I know some people will tell you that's not the end all be all of determining a player. You're not wrong. Right. But when it comes to winning awards, it can be enough at right. 31 to one talking about the 20th pick in the draft was the 25th best odds of award only made up of defensive rookies. Yeah. I think that that's I mean, really the nice third and fourth round picks here that have a higher or shorter odds than Caleb on chase on a lot of that may be the position. A lot of that may be the, the, the team they wound up with and the scheme, but you do make an interesting point. All right. So maybe there's some people that are diamonds in the rough. If you're playing in IDP leagues and fantasy and things of that nature, but I want to ask you, Who's your diamond for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Who might you have on some teams? Who are you valuing higher than, you know, some of the consensus? Yeah, I think LaVishka Chenault is probably going to be, because I think I might be able to get him in the last round. And I don't uh -huh. see why I wouldn't give it a shot. Because I think that they're going to be able to use him almost as a, a super Devo Samuel. And I'm not saying that he's better than Devo Samuel, although he might be. It's more so that he might have more usage than a Debo Samuel because the Niners have so many weapons, whereas mm -hmm. the Jaguars could be, will though, willing to get LaVisca Chenault the football in so many ways consistently. And I think that's the interesting thing when it comes to gadget players, Dane, is it's like, ah, uh, like no one's going to draft Taysom Hill, right? Because ultimately there's no, there's not a consistent it's enough, not enough touches, touch. Right. Where, but I think Chenault could change that, whether it be, you know, just normal wide receiver work, end arounds, whatever it might be. Yeah. So I think Chenault could actually be a viable option, especially considering an ADP. Usually I ask, oh, what's the ADP? But, you know, I don't have to worry about the ADP sure. really for Chenault. I'm assuming he's going very, very late. Very, very low. Absolutely. In some places, not even drafted. Um, let me give you my diamond. Because I, I like that. You know, there's a universe where he kind of can be this Swiss Army knife that also he could be a Debo Samuel. Yeah. All right. That actually gets enough to uh, be worth it. Um, my diamond is a little bit different. It is not even a starter for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, remember, we thought about Andy Dalton coming here. Right. And we thought about the familiarity with Gruden, you know, who was down there. I got another player who is now on the Jacksonville Jaguars who has familiarity with Gruden that I think could overperform, and it's the third down back, Chris Thompson. Mm -hmm. um, Kevin, I think there's volume, there's, there's, there's volume potential here. Chris Thompson, when he was healthy in Washington for years, was a viable PPR fantasy running back. He would get enough catches to be a viable PPR fantasy running back. I have had him on teams myself. We've talked about guys like Tariq Cohen, guys like yesterday we were talking about Naheem Hines. I think uh, Chris Thompson, a healthy Chris Thompson, fills that role for Jacksonville. I think he's viable even as a flex play and PPR formats only. Here's the other catch. With Naheem Hines, we're talking about Indy, 
you and I both think Indy's going to be good, think Indy's going to be winning games. This is the person in that role, the pass catching back for a team that we you think is going to go 2-14, and 14, Kevin. <laughs> so what do you think is the second half of these games going to look like? I think it's going to be a lot of Chris Thompson on the field getting checkdowns left and right. Chris Thompson has a role on this team. They went out and signed him to play a role on this team. And in PPR formats, remember the name Chris Thompson. He's going to be either not drafted on a waiver wire or at the end of your draft. I think he's worth a flyer, Kev. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'll tell you another interesting bit here with Chris Thompson is yeah. he's not going to get traded in the middle of the season because That's Jay true. Gruden's going to keep him there. And there is a world where Leonard Fournette is traded in the middle of the right. season. And I know Chris Thompson... Yep. I know Chris Thompson isn't a traditional three-down back, but anybody that plays running back can run, play play running back. Like you're not, he's not a wide receiver. He is a running back. He mm -hmm. might still split work, but he could see that uptick in volume. So when you have a nice baseline that you're not paying through the nose for, no. and there's a world where the ceiling can greatly increase, yes. and it's not like some ridiculous idea, I definitely think Chris Thompson has value. Yeah, he absolutely does. And what I also talk about is, the game flow genius, right? You think this team is going to be down, you know, the same way that Blake Bortles was a great viable fantasy quarterback for a couple of years there because the garbage time production counts. Chris Thompson, I think, is in line to get a ton of garbage time checkdowns for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Give me a Fugazi for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who's someone, Kevin, that you want to forget about? I'm going to forget about uh, Mr. D.D. Westbrook. And part of this is tied to the fact that Last year, he was always on my mind. He was someone that became – it felt very obvious. Foles loved him. when they In the few preseason games, they were hooking up. It made all the sense in the world that Didi would be the number one. I mean, and I – sometimes it can be tricky because sometimes I guess I can take things so far. But I'm like, man, look at the rest of the room. There's no one else there. Didi Westbrook right. might be top ten in targets. And then all of a sudden, like, now I need to put Didi Westbrook on every team. Foles gets injured, and Gardner Minshew's right. guy is Shark. And if I'm as high on LaVisca Chenault as I sound – then basically, he's the third option, right? Because third Shark option is there, the Chenault is there. Can't be anything other than a Fugazi. Right. All right, fair enough. I'm going to uh, stay in the same position I was. Chris Thompson is my diamond. Leonard Fournette is my Fugazi here. And you mentioned a couple of reasons why. One, I don't know what team necessarily he's going to be on in my fantasy playoffs, right? And he, if he does get moved, he's probably not going to get moved somewhere where he has the same chunk of the pie as he does in Jacksonville. I also know that there's some acrimony there in Jacksonville. I wouldn't put it past them to kind of put him in mothballs by the time I need him in the fantasy playoffs. And as I mentioned, I think Fournette is the kind of back who could get game scripted out of any of the Jacksonville Jaguars games when they're down 24 to 3 in the third quarter. When I look at other guys in the same level or spots behind Leonard Fournette, these are all guys that I would draft over Leonard Fournette if both of them were still on the board. I'd take Le'Veon Bell over Leonard Fournette. I'd take James Conner over Leonard Fournette. I'd take Devin Singletary. I'd take some of these Colts running backs we're talking about. If Chris Carson and the Seahawks don't add someone to that room, I'd take him over as well. We've talked, he's going, uh, Fournette's going ahead of Todd Gurley. I think I'd take Todd Gurley over Leonard Fournette. So there's a number of options there. So relatively speaking, he's not going to wind up on my team. So I'm going to forget about him. What about you? So if I'm not mistaken, Leonard Fournette last year was RB7 in fantasy? Because I remember we talked about Roughly. it. I think he was somewhere in that range, right? So for RB, he, so a lot of times when a guy comes off a year like that, you're like, oh, I'm worried about overpaying. 
Wait, what what running back number did you say was coming off the board at? 14. High-end RB2, low-end RB1. It's 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 certainly not paying for that premium price. Although no. I will say there are things to be concerned about. The he's certainly out of favor with the franchise. Chris Thompson should come in and, uh, you know, because Fournette's better as a pass catcher than people will give him credit for. At least he's more involved in the Thompson's passing game. that work. They signed Chris, him for that. Right. Chris Thompson is going to be cutting into that workload significantly. And with a full, like the Jaguars, there's a world where the Jaguars have a bottom five defense. Right. Maybe some people would say it's likely they have a bottom five defense. It's hard then for Fournette to be as involved as they would like. That's so right. I just think a lot of this is then leads to a, a position where it's hard to lock the value in for Fournette because if he was going in the top seven, right? It's a it's such an obvious fugazi, yeah. right? And if he was back in the twenty one, like ah, you know what? Maybe we'll right. get some value. That's why I said some of these names around him, like it's Fournette or Gurley, Fournette or Le'Veon. Mm-hmm. And I think right there, it's he's in a situation of guys where I can hear the argument both ways, but he has some of the clouds of doubt That's over right. him that where I'm like, I, wrenches that can be thrown yeah. into this. I just think I have safer options available to me. I agree with you. So there you have it on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Where Remember Gardner Kevin going Gardner Minshew just in the twenties. He's in the twenties when it comes to quarterbacks. I'll give it to you. The only uh, I, I mentioned what? Minshew because of the garbage time stuff. Yeah. Just because like if their defense is as bad as, you know, some people ca- are projecting, right. Could he be a 35, down. I could see that. He's going as quarterback 24 right now. So right there in the two-quarterback league, he's yeah. going one spot behind Drew Locke, but ahead of Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, and Dwayne Haskins. I would take Darnold over him for sure, but I digress. Maybe that's my J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs> that about will wrap it up. We're tying a bow on it for now. Tomorrow, I am excited. We're going to dive into the Bundesliga schedule, right? We're going to look at the Thursday night football schedule, and I need you to track all of these records that you're getting these teams to because we got to find who the playoffs are and if 2-14 and 14 is, in fact, the worst record in the league in terms of Kevin Walsh's projections. So I want you to keep track of that. We'll see if anyone goes under the floor of the 2-14 and 14 Jacksonville Jaguars. That'll about do it for us today. For my man, Kevin Walsh, I am merely the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. Come on back and see us tomorrow. We will continue to give you the edge. That's what we do here every morning right here on the early line. Have a great day, everyone. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid.